This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Thank you. Welcome. And I'd like to start by thanking the um, organizers of this symposium and CARTA for inviting us and hosting us uh, for this session. Our goal today is to look back at our origins and ask how, where, and when one species of African hominin gained the ability to spread across Africa into Eurasia, replacing all of its hominin relatives. I investigate through this through archaeology, the material remains of ancient human behavior. To investigate today's topic, generally archaeologists have looked for evidence of complex cognition, including the use of language, symbols, and cumulative culture. Ornaments, beads, representational works, abstract designs, and complex technologies are thought to be indicative. When tracking the development of these complex behaviors, we can look for evidence of continuity or punctuation, the tempo of evolution. Broadly speaking, the African archaeological record for the period of interest has been divided into three phases, primarily based on characteristics of stone tool technologies. The earlier Stone Age or Ashelaean, the Middle Stone Age, and the later Stone Age. The timing of the transition from one to the next are active areas of investigation and may not be synchronous across all regions of Africa. Much of the discussion about modern human origins has focused on the middle to later Stone Age transition, so we can begin here. The typical MSA is characterized by largish flakes struck from prepared cores. The resulting flakes, flake blades, and points were subject to varying forms and degree of retouch or reshaping, although often less than what is seen in Mysterian assemblages created by Neanderthals. Occasionally, for discrete periods of time, there are more specific shaped pieces, such as this backed segment or crescent. The later Stone Age is often characterized by hafted microlithic tools and numerous implements made out of bone, such as these bone points. Importantly, in the LSA, people are ubiquitously making pendants and beads out of shell, bone, and ostrich eggshell, and many argue that these non-lithic artifacts are really the basis of the striking contrast with the Middle Stone Age. MSA people had many advanced behaviors, such as sophisticated stone flaking, active hunting, pigment collection, and the control of fire. However, some have argued that they were not fully modern. These colleagues have argued that items indicating complex symbolic behaviors, such as these ostrich eggshell beads, don't appear until late in the record, appearing abruptly about 50,000 years ago and marking the onset of the later Stone Age. Some colleagues have argued that biological evolution stimulated these abrupt changes, while others think that technological, sociocultural, and demographic changes provide sufficient explanations. Even while some colleagues were arguing for the punctuated appearance of modern behaviors with the start of the later Stone Age, others found evidence for more complex behaviors within the MSA. 
These researchers focused on the complexity of stone tool technologies and the abundant hearths found in MSA sites, which stimulated speculation on plant use and the use of fire to manage local environments. In particular, there is focus on the Howesens port, which is characterized by segments or crescents that we saw in the earlier slide. These were made on fine-grade materials. This industry was originally seen as Upper Paleolithic-like and transitional to the LSA. But there was a problem. The Howesens port disappears from the record and is followed by by more typical Middle Stone Age assemblages. However, this idea of modernity in the Middle Stone Age stuck. Human fossils had pointed to Africa for the origins of modern humans, and genetic studies were confirming that all living humans can trace their ancestry back to Africa. The idea that the Middle Stone Age showed evidence of advanced, even modern behaviors gained support in the 1990s, especially with the announcement of these two bone assemblages, associated with Middle Stone Age artifacts. At Bloombos, the points were associated with the distinctive Still Bay variant of the Middle Stone Age, characterized by these, middle, by these bifacial points, which Pallavia also just showed us. Despite the fact that the associations, and therefore the age of both these sets of points, were questioned by other researchers, these finds stimulated further consideration of precocious artifacts in the Middle Stone Age and cemented the idea that we should find evidence of modern behavior within the Middle Stone Age. The gradual accumulation model for behavioral innovations during the Middle Stone Age was proposed. The proposal did acknowledge that something still changes 50,000 years ago, and that this intensification was the result of population growth combined with environmental deterioration. This led to increased population density, which affected the economy, technology, and social lives of the groups involved. The increase in population size would have been due to new technologies and new risk management strategies, such as long-distance exchange. This model was further supported by additional finds from Blumbos of engraved ochre and perforated shells that may have been beads. Other sites preserved engraved ostrich eggshell. These generally have been accepted to support as support for symbolic behavior and abstract thinking in our Middle Stone Age ancestors. A big question remains, however. How far back in time do these behaviors go within the Middle Stone Age? The, is evolution gradual within the Middle Stone Age, or is there a punctuated appearance with the start of the Middle Stone Age? Within the Middle Stone Age of South Africa, the location of most of our examples so far, we find a complex ochre processing kit at 100,000 years ago, an interest in ochre and non-subsistence shells going back as far as 110,000 years ago. In the last 10 years, we have recognized that MSA people often heat treat silkrete by roasting silkrete cobbles in the fire to improve their flaking properties. This has now been generally accepted as good evidence of complex technologies within the Middle Stone Age. Heat treatment is now well documented in the late Middle Stone Age and has been identified in numerous assemblages, and the technology probably extends back to 164,000 years ago. Beyond these examples, however, 
early evidence for symbolic or complex behaviors is sparse. Beyond the oldest deposits of Pinnacle Point B, there's still 150,000 years, earlier years of Middle Stone Age. So far, the archaeological record of South Africa has dominated the conversation. However, as I regularly remind my undergraduates, Africa is big, and it is not one place. North Africa, particularly Morocco, is also interesting because it has provided the largest sample of early modern humans, as we heard about um, earlier from Jean-Jacques Hublin, with some morphological characters that link them with the earliest fully modern humans expanding out of Africa and into Europe. The later Middle Stone Age of North Africa is often expressed as the Aterian variant, characterized by stemmed points and scrapers, bifacial foliates, and end scrapers. Turning focus to North Africa, at Tafralt Cave in late Aterian context, excavators found perforated shells that were likely used as beads, based on polish from useware and ochre residue. These are similar in form to those from Blumbos, although the procurement and potential manufacturing differ. In Morocco, the antiquity of interest in non-subsistence shells can be pushed back to 115,000 years ago into the Maghrebian Mousterian. At Contrabandier, small shells like those from Tafaralt exhibit use wear and ochre traces and may have been used as beads. These were found alongside larger shells also collected already dead on the beach, like those from Pinnacle Point 13b. Again, we can ask how much further back in time in the MSA can we find similar behaviors? As we go back further in time, of course, appropriately aged deposits become rare, especially those that have benefited from modern excavation practices. And we get to see these stone artifacts for the third time today. <laughs> so one exception, which we've heard about earlier, is Jebel Arud. These deposits provide a lower boundary for the Middle Stone Age of the region and preserve evidence of a Lavalois-based stone tool tradition and fire use. However, we have not yet found ochre or evidence of engravings or ornaments. From my current reading of the record, there is continuity from the late, earlier Stone Age to the early Middle Stone Age. For example, late ESA people were already interested in using ochre, something that we find well-established within the MSA, even the early MSA at Alorgasile. However, other signs of complex behavior, such as ornaments, engravings, or even heat treatment, are extremely limited and not always well contextualized. However, to make this comparison robust, there is dire need for more assemblages from both the late ESA and early MSA from good contexts, especially those that preserve materials in addition to stone. As I have presented here, within the Middle Stone Age, there is strong evidence of increasing behavioral complexity such that the later MSA is quite different from the earlier MSA. Moving from the Middle Stone Age to the Later Stone Age, much, as, much of what has been said about the LSA is characteristic of assemblages that have accumulated within the last 20,000 years. 
There are unfortunately few examples of well-preserved, well-excavated, well-dated, early, later Stone Age assemblages, especially those with non-stone components. One exception is Border Cave, where the early LSA component preserves perforated marine shells, ostrich eggshell beads, and bone tools, dated to about 44 to 42,000 years ago. One challenge in further investigating these developments within the Middle Stone Age and into the later Stone Age is that many of these examples that I have mentioned are isolated. Generally, instances are few and far between, and interpretation is confounded by the archaeological challenges of building robust chronologies and preservation. A second challenge is that the evidence is especially sparse in the regions where where expanding human populations would have left Africa. Further, we lack direct archaeological evidence of a demographic expansion 60 to 50,000 years ago. Something did change 60 to 50,000 years ago to encourage a population to expand out of Africa. But what and where? Was the population expansion found throughout Africa or just within the one region of a source of the source population? In order to move forward, we need to develop better defined and more specific models that allow for the generation of testable hypotheses. We need to further refine the timing of these expectations and incorporate them into a regional approach. Variation between regions seems clear, and that's one of the things I think today's symposium has really highlighted is the variation that we see within Africa. And regions such as West and Central Africa remain virtually unknown, again, especially with regard to the non-stone components of um, their assemblages. And, of course, any behavior-based model needs to be well integrated with the data from human paleontology and genetics. And so I think symposiums like what has been organized today is a fantastic way to keep um, people working on different lines of evidence um, integrated, talking to each other, and updated on the types of data that are being produced. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.